Welcome, friends, to the Pastor's Cut podcast. This is the podcast for the week of August 7th, 2022. For that particular Sunday, you'll get to hear from me. Darren today actually happens to be on a sabbatical for just a couple of days. He took a couple of days, a few times a year, he likes to go to a monastery. And so he's there. And while here's there, you get to hear from myself, Dave McPherson, from Marissa. Say hi, hi Marissa. Why, hello. From Lauren Sutherland. Say hi, Lauren. Hi there. And from our own Brad Henderson back in the sound booth. Hey, guys. <laughs> Glad you're here. And so we were trying to come up with something to talk about as we get started today, and the nobody could think of anything. And so <laughs> I decided we'd, we'd be fun to talk about what is the silliest thing that you know that Siri knows. For those that weren't Apple users, Siri is the, the, the automated intelligence that's <laughs> somehow lives inside of your iPhones, <laughs> and if you ask Siri a question in response, she'll answer either something snarky or she'll just say, here's what I found on Google, Right. and <laughs> we'll provide a bunch of things from a search engine. Um, but what is the silliest thing that you've discovered that Siri knows the answer to? Well, we always enjoy having her beatbox for us. Um, there's no greater ability than to be able to say boots and cats in a... <laughs> <laughs> in a rhythmic fashion. <laughs> I have never heard Siri Yeah, do you got to ask her to beatbox. <laughs> oh, no. She's highly skilled. Well, that's good to know. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah. Uh, mine is, and if my dad's listening to this, he'll be so proud of me, that if you say intergalactic to Siri, she'll start playing the song Intergalactic by Beastie Boys or just like the little like sound to it. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> We're going to have to try that. <laughs> We're big Beastie Boys fans <laughs> in our house. That's awesome. Oh, so are we. <laughs> Brad, what about you? Have you tried to ask Siri anything? I, uh, in fact, this morning on the way in, I just had this wild hair, and I said, "Siri, what is my name?" And she said, "Your name is Brad, but since we're friends, I call you B Rad." <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea when I put that in there at some point. <laughs> no, no, it was Siri. She came up with it well, on her I'm own. I'm sure Siri. She sent me it. She might have. I don't know. Anyway, I was taken back a little bit. Hello. (laughs) That is hilarious. Steve Jobs now knows that. Okay, great. (laughs) I have tried to, being the the nerd that I am, I have tried to ask Siri if she knows Jesus. And her response is either to pull up a a search for me, or she says no. She doesn't believe in any religions. She only believes in the religion of the spheres. And so when I ask her to define that, it's usually something ambiguous or something revolving around Buddhist or, or New Age world or something like that. So that's fascinating. <laughs> but I've also discovered that she knows what the fox says, if you want to ask her that. She does know the average wing speed velocity of a laden African swallow. That's great. She won't be thrown from the bridge. Exactly. This is true. <laughs> does she know who let the dogs out? She does That's know great. that one too. Yes. <laughs> okay. Right. I'll have to ask her later. And she'll even know, she can even point out the 
exact number of planes that are overhead and where they're located in the general area around you. Ah. Kind of cool. That is cool. Well, we're not talking about Siri and, and planes <laughs> or random facts. Um, on August 7th, we'll be looking at 1 Samuel chapter 18 at an interesting encounter that David has with Saul, where where David seems to be on the rise. Saul, his his kingship is is still going, very strong, but at the same time, Saul's kingship is Saul's going to maybe be jealous of his kingship. He's getting more protective. He's holding on to it a little tighter. And in the middle of that, we, we get to see almost a little bit of compare and contrast between Saul and David. And so with that, I think it's appropriate. Let's go ahead and read. Let's read the whole passage. It's a longer chunk. Marissa, do you mind reading nope. all the way through verse 16? Sure. After David had finished talking with Saul, Jonathan became one in spirit with David, and he loved him as himself. From that day, Saul kept David with him and did not let him return home to his family. And Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. Jonathan took off the robe he was wearing and gave it to David along with his tunic and even his sword, his bow, and his belt. Whatever mission Saul sent him on, David was so successful that Saul gave him a high rank in the army. And this pleased all the troops and Saul's officers as well. When the men were returning home after David had killed the Philistine, the women came out from all the towns of Israel to meet King Saul with singing and dancing, with joyful songs and with timbrels and lyres. As they danced, they sang, Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. Saul was very angry. This refrain displeased him greatly. They have credited David with tens of thousands, he thought, but me with only thousands. What more can he get but the kingdom? And from that time on, Saul kept a close eye on David. The next day, an evil spirit from God came forcefully on Saul. He was prophesying in his house while David was playing the lyre, as he usually did. Saul had a spear in his hand, and he hurled it, saying to himself, I'll pin David to the wall. But David eluded him twice. Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with David, but had departed from Saul. So he sent David away from him and gave him command over a thousand men, and David led the troops in their campaigns. In everything he did, he had great success because the Lord was with him. When Saul saw how successful he was, he was afraid of him. But all Israel and Judah loved David because he led them in their campaigns. So there's a lot of stuff just packed into those short 16 verses. Mm-hmm. Um, what is probably the, the biggest thing that you see that stands out as you read through that passage? Marissa, I'll have you dive in first. All right. Well, I love the relationship between Jonathan and David. And you mentioned how this passage contrasts um, Saul and David. Uh, but um, but it's really interesting what we can learn from Jonathan's reaction to David's presence and Saul's reaction to David's presence. Um, Jonathan, you know, is the firstborn of Saul. He was next in line to be king. Um, he arguably had more to fear than Saul did at this point. Um, you know, we know um, from 1 Samuel 15 and 14 that God had removed his uh, presence from Saul. But, you know, as far as the larger geopolitical uh, landscape of Israel at the time, it was Jonathan who had more to fear from David. Um, Jonathan was also a singular force in the army. He was also a brave warrior. He is faithful. He had great faith. Um, if you want to know more about Jonathan, look at 1 Samuel 14 and how he, with his armor bearer, went out and faced the Philistines on his own. Um, so elevating David diminished Jonathan's light. 
Um, his popularity challenged his position for the throne. Uh, Jonathan had so much more to be nervous about when David kind of ascended and Saul kind of adopted him into his household. But once Jonathan heard what David had to say, once he realized not just that he was a man to be admired because of how he defeated Goliath, but his heart was after God's heart. Uh, He was faithful. He was loyal to Saul. Um, Jonathan didn't just admire him. He knew that they were kindred spirits. And so instead of being threatened, like Saul would later be, um, he loved David. He was loyal to David. Um, They realized that they didn't just have similar similar skills and experiences. This wasn't just uh, a good friend that he could pal around with, but they were kindred spirits. Mm -hmm. There is a C.S. Lewis quote that says that true friendship comes from asking the question, do you see the same truth? If the answer is, I see nothing and I don't care about the truth, I only want a friend, then no friendship can arise, though affection, of course, may. So Jonathan and David knew the same truths, um, and that was something that Saul couldn't understand. But because they understood each other, they understood their positions with God, that uh, they had this great affinity and loyalty to one another. And I think it all comes from Jonathan truly knowing his identity. Um, He was confident in his own skills and abilities, but more than that, he was confident that he was a child of God. He wasn't just a son of a king. Um, Because he knew where he stood with God, um, he had no um, jealousy or ill will towards David, but rather invited him into the household. He already knew that his dad was kind of on the fringe, um, that uh, that his dad was already making unwise decisions, Mm -hmm. that he more Mm -hmm. often acted like a kid than he did a king kind of this immature, fearful approach to leadership. But when Dave, Jonathan rather saw David, he saw a kid that was acting like a king. And since Samuel was already removing himself from the situation, Jonathan knew that they needed all the talent, all the, all the um, uh, skill that they could to surround the king and help him lead the country. And, and he saw that in David. Very true. Absolutely. That was so beautiful. Oh, my word. Um, <laughs> That's Marissa. She's she's a wordsmith. Yeah, seriously. Um, but going off of what you were saying mm-hmm. about how um, they were such close friends because of the truth that they know, it's been a sweet thing. As part of my um, job at OSUBCM, I get to see freshmen all meet each other and start trying to find those friends. And I always see the deepest friendships and the ones that are pursuing the Lord the hardest. Mm. Um, and it's just something that I think... Uh, can get lost in translation sometimes when you're just trying to make friends. And especially if you're a freshman in college, just so quickly and anybody who will look your way kind of thing. But the truest friendships are always the one that pursue the Lord together. And I think that's such a beautiful example here and in real life. Hmm. Absolutely. So I I think it's very fitting to talk about and, and look through and explore what what exactly was going on with David's relationship with Jonathan? What, what's the value there? What, what, what is the value of having close friends that you can walk alongside of in community, in hard times, good times, whatever? Um, so I totally affirm everything you said. <laughs> Thank you. Um, hey. <laughs> what do you guys think about the evil spirit? That, that is probably one of the most difficult parts of this entire passage of Scripture. It's, it's literally flush in the middle of, of the passage, what do you do with, with that evil spirit? Should I take a Lauren? Huh? Yeah, you go take for it? it. No, oh, okay. you got it. <laughs> well, um, you know, there's always going to be, um, like, with the hardening of the heart of Pharaoh, um, how much were they not, um, 
how much were they, how much agency does one have? Um, but I think in First Samuel, so clearly it's shown that, that uh, Saul is given a choice mm-hmm. and he consistently and constantly, to the point that you want to shake him, makes the wrong choice again and again and again. There's so much within this passage that reminds me of Cain. And if you all want to go back and listen to the, the podcast about Cain, there's a lot of parallels between Saul and Cain here. And I just think back to Genesis 4-7, where God says, you know, sin is crouching at the door of your heart. If you mm-hmm. let it in at all, it's going to overtake you. Yeah. Um, by this point in Saul's life, he has opened the door, not just a crack, he has swung it open wide to sin so many times mm-hmm. that it's overtaken his spirit. So it's not that he didn't have agency or choice in this matter, but that the, that the, the evil had just become not just a temptation, but something that ruled over him. Um, and that caused so much instability in his mental state, his spiritual state. And I, I think that's what the passage is talking about there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it says later on about how uh, the Lord had departed from Saul. And it's because God can't exist where sin exists. Mm-hmm. And so to think that like Saul was so deep in the sin that God couldn't even like had to leave him because of that. That's just heartbreaking to think about oh, and to think yes, about people yeah. now in that way too. It's just devastating. Yeah. It's definitely a tragedy. Um, and, uh, there's so much about Saul, just like when I read Esau, when I read Cain, there's so much about these characters that it's like, oh, your heart breaks for them Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because they so desperately want that favor, but they don't know how to get it. And they won't repent from the times of rebellion that they've had. Um, but it's, it's, it's such a childlike desperation for please don't leave me, please don't leave me. But also, I, I, my heart is so far away from your own. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And that would drive you mad. That would yeah. cause a lot of spiritual turmoil. So I, personally, I, I wrestle with the idea of, of the holy God sending an evil spirit. I, I know that you, you, you know, see God hardening Pharaoh's heart. You see different things like that. And so I, I, as I tried to approach this and look at this, what do you asking the question, what do you really do with that, with, with God sending an evil spirit, and, and how do you deal with that? There's a, a couple of scholars that, that look at this passage and suggest, rather than it being that God literally sent a demon or sent something to oppress him, because Saul is prophesying, Saul has some sense of God's presence uh, with him in that moment, that perhaps it is God's conviction that is on him to repent, mm-hmm. to turn from his sin, and Saul doesn't like that. Saul, Saul's really struggling with that to such a heavy extent that it feels like, from Saul's perspective, that God is angry at him, because God really is angry at the sin. And so, in a roundabout way, it, Saul feels like it's an evil spirit, because it's a spirit that's convicting him in an area he doesn't want to move in, he doesn't want to do anything mm-hmm. with. And so Saul is wrestling with that, and you see this, this tension with God's presence coming, and he even has patterns of, of we see back in, in 1 Samuel 16, where Saul has patterns where he just needs God's presence, and he's seeking God's presence in a good way. He hires David to play songs, to play probably worship music, so that, that he can have peace and he can experience peace, but Saul doesn't do anything with that. He doesn't invite that deeper into his soul. Instead, in this passage, as God's presence is there, even in the midst of him prophesying and experiencing whether it's a charismatic experience or, or <laughs> something else, he's thinking to himself, 
if I could only get rid of David by pinning him to the wall with my spear, all my problems are going to go away. <laughs> so there's such a radical disconnect between God's presence and his own thought life that, that perhaps the, the spirit from God may not be quite as evil as, as we understand evil, but more to convict him. Right. And, and sin changes our perceptions so greatly, just like Absolutely. you were saying, that just like with Cain, where the, this peaceful presence of God trying to tell him, you know, I you change your heart and I'll be with you, I'll affirm you, just I did your, as your, I did your brother. Um, but that spurs Cain to murderous rage. Um, Saul's perception of God's presence was no longer peaceful for him. It was no longer soothing to him. Um, it spurred him to rage. Um, and I think that is greatly why it was, is that that conviction and and seeing in his son Jonathan and seeing in David the peace that they received from God's presence and favor and knowing that that was something that he could not attain for himself filled him with rage and jealousy. So I've got one more question that I think would be worth bringing up in community groups. There's a lot more stuff that you could totally discuss in your community group time. But for the sake of time, I want to hit one more, uh, unless there's another burning thought that we all have around, <laughs> around the table as well. That, that song that the Israelites are singing as David, Saul, all the troops come back from killing Goliath. It's been probably a few months uh, of a window, maybe, maybe as much as six months of a window, where, where Saul, after David killed Goliath, Saul sent David out to, to lead troops and... David was victorious again and again and again and again. <laughs> and so now they're coming back to the capital, to, to Gibeah. And as they do so, as they're going on their way to the capital, people are singing, Saul killed thousands of people, but David killed tens of thousands of people. And Saul becomes jealous. So why, why is Saul jealous? I mean, I kind of get it. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> like, um, So at the BCM, we have a thing. Our freshman Bible study is called Connect. And the first year I did it, I also lived with another Connect leader. And constantly her and I were talking about how many students we had coming to our group. And it was kind of like, well, I have 20. Well, I have 21. And so on <laughs> and so forth. And so kind of hearing that like one up, you kind of, I don't know, at least me personally, I can see how Saul's kind of like, well, they are like acknowledging like how much I'm doing. Yeah, I still did. It was still thousands. Exactly. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, that's kind of my thought on that. Yeah. I just kind of get it. Yeah. <laughs> Not to the murderous rage part, but yeah, to a point. To yeah. a point. Yeah. In Samuel, First uh, Samuel 15, um, Saul was told that God had removed his favor from Saul. Mm -hmm. um, that God had torn Saul's kingdom from him, and he was going to give it to someone better. So. Saul was always looking for that someone better. Is this going to be them? Is this going to be them? Um, he had love for Jonathan that protected Jonathan, but he had no bloodline with David mm -hmm. that protected David from mm -hmm. that jealousy. So Saul was like, you know, we think about lame duck presidents. He was the ultimate lame duck king. He knew his days were numbered and uh, that the successor had already been chosen, but he didn't want to believe it. And, um, and because he no longer had the favor and affirmation from God and from Samuel, he only had the praise of the people to, to live off of, to thrive off of. You know, we're supposed to seek after God's, God's favor and not the favor of men, but that's all that Saul had left. So he put David into a position of power thinking, okay, well, the people are going to praise me. They're going to say, thank you for giving me David. This is going to be great for me. But when he heard that song of the people, um, he realized that that 
they were no longer praising him. Mm -hmm. And that too was part of the way that his perceptions were changed from his mental illness and, and, um, you know, he could have said, well, at least they're still praising me or they still were praising him. He killed thousands of people, but, but that jealousy tinted it to think it's like, this is someone who threatens my power. This could be the person, uh, this greater person who will ascend to the throne. And from that day forward, Saul's mind is filled uh, with evil and suspicious intent towards David. Absolutely. So I, I, I'm still hung up on on the lame duck king. I don't know why I'm hung up on it. That's 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 kind of a that yeah. was a funny phrase that I hadn't thought of in the context before. Yeah, and I think that uh, just proves too how far uh, Saul's heart was from God. Because yes. if he was a man of honor, when Samuel told him that he no longer got had God's favor and another person would ascend, he could have peacefully. Um, abdicated. He could have stepped down and allowed mm-hmm. a peaceful transition of power to happen. But instead, he clutched and clung on to the people's favor and to his role for another 20 years. And that threw Israel into chaos and a civil war. So it, again, just shows, just like we saw in 1 Samuel 14, when he told the army of Israel not to eat food <laughs> when they were battling the Philistines, yes, yes. he did not have the best interest of the people of God at heart. And at any point, I'm... I'm leaning heavily into, there's a book by a guy named Gene Edwards called A Tale of Three Kings that I, I read when I was a young adult. Someone gave that to me. I think it was 18 years old. I, that, that sticks through with me and rings true of this passage, rings through the greater story in, in 1 Samuel and early 2 Samuel. Um, he compares and contrasts David, Saul, and later Absalom, and, and how do the three react and respond to God? The big difference with David and Saul, and later David and Absalom, is that David is quick to turn back to God. David is quick to, to confess when he's made a mistake and say, I, I screwed up here. He wants to own it. Now, does he do some very, very bad things to cover up, to murder people, to, to do horrible things in the process that may be as great or if not greater than what Saul did? Yeah, sure mm-hmm. he does. But David is also quick to go back to God to say, I've really screwed up here. And, and I think, not I think, I know, as, as I explore this passage on Sunday morning on August 7th mm-hmm. uh, in, in main services, that's one of the main points I'm going to talk about, how much God really wants our hearts, that, that if we're quick to go back to God, no matter what we've done, no matter what's going on in our lives, God wants to forgive us. God wants to heal us. Mm-hmm. But it's a matter of us being willing to do that or, or not being willing to do that. Mm-hmm. In the case of David, he built a pattern consistently of going to God, of, of seeking God's presence. Saul did the same thing. But David connected with God where Saul didn't connect with God, allowed a disconnect to exist. And so you might even talk about as a community group in, in the middle of, of the conversation about Saul being jealous and with David rising to, to fame. How do you deal with jealousy? Are you quick to, to recognize that or take that to God? Do you have anybody that, that might even be able to help you process that as, as you walk through things? Mm-hmm. Is there anything else that you guys can think of that stands out from the passage? I think there's always going to be people that are better than us that are more talented, more gifted, mm-hmm. younger, more beautiful, whatever, it's bringing 21 people into small group instead of 20. You know, I mean, that's always, <laughs> always, always going to be the case. Yes. Mm-hmm. No matter how 
bright your star shines, there's always going to be somebody coming up the ranks who's as you're, you know, as you're going down. Um, but just like Jonathan, if we root our identity, not in our achievements, not in our talents, not in our giftings, but in our identity as children of God, that that will protect or help buffer us from any jealousy that we can feel so that we can help elevate the next generation instead of trying to throw spears at them. <laughs> yeah, throwing spears, not so good. Yeah, yeah. Protect, elevate, lift up, be, yeah. be more like Jonathan. Yeah, and if, if we find ourselves as the subject of anger, in other people, jealous anger or any kind of anger, um, to take an example of, uh, take the example of David, who didn't, um, you know, he could have pulled the spear from the wall and thrown it right back. He could have done anything. But throughout the 20 years when he fought with Saul, he was re- respectful of Saul and who mm-hmm. he was, um, that he was, uh, uh, you know, he protected himself, but he never moved to harm Saul that he escaped that room that day and didn't didn't act out, and that we have to do that too. If we are um, being challenged or um, attacked because of our righteousness, that, you know, we may have every right to throw that spear back, but that would chip away at that righteousness that we valued in the first place. Um, so you may be attacked in any number of ways, but God will allow, uh, he won't allow your attacker to have the victory, that he'll have the ultimate victory and and that we should continue to live courageous and righteous lives. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Do you have anything else to add? No, she <laughs> summed that up beautifully. Yes, she did. <laughs> Marissa's good with that. Brad, what are, you, what are your thoughts on this passage? Dave, you're asking the sound man what his theological stance is. <laughs> You are a worship leader. Come on now. <laughs> David was a worship leader. Not. David was singing worship songs that, that brought peace to Saul's soul that he was well, wrestling don't with. Don't you think it's a little ironic that if we put ourselves in that same situation, that we, he would keep coming back to lead worship and soothe Saul's soul? Mm-hmm. What courage that took. It wasn't like a one-time incident. I mean, he was rejected several times and threatened Yet he kept coming back to serve, uh, regardless. And I thought that was pretty interesting. I don't know that I would. Well, I'm pretty sure I wouldn't do that. Uh, and I don't know many folks that would, which makes David a very exceptional person. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I wonder if there's something in there about leadership as well, that you face into people that are, that are angry towards you because you know that Whatever God has given you to to impart to them through worship, through through serving, is better than whatever they're facing. Thank you for sharing, Brad. <laughs> Thank you for the heads up, Dave. Yeah, nice. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Glad to, to throw you spontaneously out there and see what will happen. <laughs> well, my friends, uh, thank you so much for joining us for the Pastors Cup podcast for October for October, for August 7th. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Apparently, I'm jumping the gun a little bit. We are mm-hmm. not in October. Because it's so we hot. Still... We're just like aspirationally in October. Yeah. In I my mind, so. it's October. <laughs> I, I suppose so. So thank you for joining us. There are so many great things worth, worth mentioning. And so as you listen to this podcast, as you review the, the pastor's cut that you'll get later this week, it's my prayer that, that God really uses this time to create good, healthy discussions uh, about about jealousy, about what does it mean to run hard after Jesus when you're facing obstacles, persecution, whatever. Um, Ultimately, how to build consistent routines 
of running after Jesus, because mm-hmm. doing so will provide a, a better a better source of life, no matter what you're facing, no matter what you're walking through. So with that, my friends, I pray that the Lord would bless you and keep you. May God cause his face to shine upon you, and may you have a wonderful day. Blessings, friends. Bye. <laughs>